This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, I wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of Speed Bumps. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate if you clicked that five-star button. And if you're on Apple, you can click the five-star button and leave a written review if you're so inclined. If you're interested in coming on my show, you can reach out to me at speed.bumps.com podcast on Instagram. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps, and tonight with me I have Nate from the Reality Czars podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it, it, it's been a night, as I was telling you before we hit record. Um, I'm so glad you're on, and I'm so glad to be chatting with you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you had a rough day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For Both the... ankle sprained. My goodness. Yeah, I uh, was walking my dog, and... I could tell she like wanted to do the zoomy thing outside. And so I was like, oh, I can run with her for a second. And I've done it before. No issue. Um, Haven't done it, you know, since the grass started to be wet and then it got cold outside. And Uh, was there a little ice? It was like not ice, but just enough to like make the grass slippery. Hmm. And uh, she pulled me and I went down and I twisted both ankles. And I texted my husband from the house, uh, man down, uh, both ankles, but it came out very garbled. Um, I'm laying in the front yard laughing my butt off, apparently not realizing how bad it was. And so, yeah, it's been a night. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm glad you're all right. And I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy you're here, too. I'm thankful that we were able to make this work and chat. And I know you told me some stuff about your speed bumps but before we get to those can you please tell me two of your favorite things about yourself two favorite things about myself uh one is i no matter what type of situation i'm in 
I look for the positive in it. So I have a good attitude even through shitty times. And I can turn it into a joke. You can turn trauma into a joke, which is, I think, important to to help you get through the trauma. Yeah. Um, And then uh, the other thing is, I'm pretty goddamn tenacious. I'm not going (laughs) to fucking give up. I like that. I like that. And I like the way you worded it, too. Yeah. I will not fucking give up. See, No matter what it is, I'm going to get it done. And and I like the word tenacious over stubborn. Stubborn's a good one too. I I think it has a negative connotation that is unnecessary. I, I think being stubborn is a good trait. And that's one of the things I see in my sons. And that's something that I appreciate. I think it's a good thing. I think it sucks in the moment because they're stubborn little assholes. Uh, but eventually when they're older, you know, it's going to be a good trait because they're not going to be able to be pulled around by, you know, yes. dumb people. They know who they are and uh, they're going to do what they want to do. So I think stubbornness can be a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, I would say it's walking that fine line of stubborn, not stupid. And so. I got a, I got a good healthy dose of both. A dose <laughs> of both. And so do my boys, unfortunately, but. You have two you know, boys? Tenacity. I have two boys. Yeah. Nice. I have a 15 year old. So he was the one I had when I was a teenager. Uh, he was there for my high school graduation. I got to bring him on stage with me. And then uh, I just had a little one. He um, He's 13 months old, so he's just over a year right now. Oh, wow. I love that age difference. Some people would say they hate the age difference, but I feel like when there's that much of an age difference, it almost makes it more special because the older one can, like, not only help out, not like in a babysitter help out, but, like, remember and appreciate the younger one growing up and give a different perspective than the parent's when they were growing up uh, that's interesting yeah we'll see how that works out my my 15 year old's pretty pig-headed and is pretty self-centered and like I was at that age and so he kind of has his own shit going on but he likes his little brother and he'll hang out with him from time to time and stuff but he yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll change when <laughs> yeah. he gets older it'll yeah. change yeah. so I know you had mentioned a few speed bumps uh I mean heck one of the speed bumps could be you know having a kid while still in high school Um, And I know you mentioned kind of trying to escape reality from 14 to 20. And yeah, so I don't know. Where do you want to start? I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I I, speed bumps is a hunt is an interesting way of putting things when I feel like maybe I did them to myself, but you know, I had, you know, obstacles or situations that uh, I definitely had no part of. So um, maybe we can start when I was little. I don't know. <laughs> like, but uh, like speed bumps can also just be like life lessons. So to your point, yeah. even if you did put yourself in those situations, you probably still learned something from it. Yeah, I definitely did. And uh, but I was one of those idiots that just kept repeating it and repeating it until it like was so glaringly obvious it had to smack you in the face. That's part of that stubbornness, you know. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I had. Uh, yell at my I do mute myself for a second and yell because my dog got my husband's tennis shoe (laughs) I have to do that all the time I I will probably have to mute myself a few times if like my teenager or the baby come or you know so it happens you'll hear I mean if people that listen to my show regularly will like have seen or heard my my little one a lot 
actually. So he might make an appearance. Who knows? Well, I don't mind at all. I love babies. <laughs> so, so I'm so sorry to interrupt. You said you debated starting when you were little, and we were talking about life lessons and. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Slight background on me, I guess. My my mom was a good lady. She was an old hippie. Used to do a whole ton of drugs. Then found Jesus, became a Jesus freak, and was like a, a self-proclaimed Jesus freak. That was like in the sixties. They called yep. themselves that. And um, so she was a real radical. Uh, would take me to like revival and tent meetings, uh, Pentecostal, like um, speaking in tongues, holy rollers, the whole thing. Like the People snakes falling down everything. in the aisles. No snakes. Okay. No, that, I think that's like Southern Pentecostal stuff. Okay. Uh, we we're on the West Coast, uh, California, and um, uh, my dad was. You know, that's one of those fucking interesting things. My dad was a heroin addict, uh, in and out of prison pimping out his wife and other other women he was a real giant piece of shit um and then and simultaneously people will say man your dad was a piece of shit and then they would always tell me you remind me so much of your dad Uh, like oh okay Uh, because i guess he also had some positive traits but you know in my head i'm like oh you just spent a half hour telling me what a piece of shit my dad was and yeah you know so uh so i definitely grew up mostly fatherless i would see him every once in a while sort of thing um and we grew up real poor semi-homeless like battered women shelter kind of things until my mom got a little apartment and then my mom was fucking she was also tenacious you know she uh had me um she had had zero fucking uh like work experience you know she just married my dad when she was young like she had been with my dad since she was 14 i think Okay. Um, and so they ba- they basically officially divorced when I was probably about two. And so she moved to like up to Northern California and like all of our family and support was all in Southern California. And so it was just me and her basically. And she worked her ass, went to like to college and got a teaching credential and fucking became a teacher and got us, uh, you know, we still lived in a shithole, but we had a car and we had stuff. And so my mom's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that's a decent background. I grew up Sammy homeless for a little bit, uh, pretty hungry. Didn't know where food was going to come next. Uh, pretty poor welfare, government cheese, all the good stuff. Have you ever um, chatted with Julia from Cosmic Beach? Um, we have been talking behind the scenes. I think we're going to get together one of these days. Her background story, the beginning part, is very similar to the, what you described. Yeah. Very, very yeah. similar. I've heard her on a couple shows. Julia, she's fucking fun. She seems like a lot. Uh, I think me and her are going to get together. We're going to talk about Star Trek because we're both yes. nerds. Yes. So I think that'll be that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's a blast to talk to. Yeah, her... Uh, her background very similar to yours in the beginning especially with the dad and the tenacious mom and all the things you you two would get along just on that um so then i don't know i grew up and my mom was trying to make me I, okay so again me being stubborn tenacious jackass and i think those are the parts of my dad that people would that i would remind them of um so my mom was trying to raise me to be like a good christian and like I did, I like, I had like a relationship with Jesus, but I was so rebellious. I wanted to do anything else. So I, 
man, when did I start doing drugs? I just started like, she had kind of piece of shit boyfriends around that would like get me drunk and like, and you know, beat me up a little bit here and there. Uh, so like, I liked alcohol because like it was around like her drunk boyfriend would always have like a box of wine sitting around or like a case it, of Heineken. It would be easy to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like my mom was like, I don't know, she was working hard and doing this and that. And so she'd like fall asleep. And so then I'd just be like hanging out with her boyfriend. And we'd be actually, that's funny. We would watch, we'd watch Star Trek. We'd watch Star Trek and he'd get me drunk and he'd be eating Rolos that like little dumb things. Like to this day, I don't eat Rolos because of that guy. And then I don't like Heineken because of him. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I can't stand the taste of any beer, to be honest with you. Um, but it's funny how certain people, when they eat something or eat something around you or have you try it, you're all of a sudden, you're like, I, I'm never eating this again. Yeah. Yep. Um, man, where did the speed bump start? I guess I was a teenager. Uh, and I fucking, man, when did I start using drugs and why? What do you consider uh, drugs? Because everyone um, has a different definition. Well, I mean, just smoking pot, I don't like necessarily consider a drug, but I don't think that young people should be using it. Fair. Um, yeah. So maybe I like anything that was mind altering. At some point, I just, I fucking hated myself. Um, and I hated reality because I was like, broke and I was kind of chunky and I fucking hated myself and I just wanted to like escape so I just started like like it started with weed sure but like if there wasn't weed around somebody had pills if there wasn't some pills around like somebody you know had some coke or fucking then I really found a love affair with meth and uh, (laughs) started using that a lot but because my dad I never used needles. And so that was, a, that was one, like I had a line at least. My, uh, my husband, short story, he was adopted. His biological mother was adopted. Um, and he had certain lines based on her things as well. So it's funny you say that, like, nope, like this, like I'll do all this other stuff, but I have a line because of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good thing. You know, I think, well, I mean, it's sometimes it sucks how you got that line, but you know, at least it's, <laughs> at least it's there. Like, like you there, said earlier, yeah. the bright side of things, right? Mm. Yeah, no, I always do. I would always find the bright side, even in a shitty situation, I guess. Well, and then, you know, that was an interesting thing. I was, I was a young man. And I fucking, like I said, I really hated myself. But then I realized that, like, I don't know, my mom wasn't there, really, because she was, like, busy. And obviously my dad wasn't there because he was fucking in prison. And her boyfriends were pieces of shit. And I didn't really have much of friends or family at the time. So I realized that I only had myself. um, And that I had to be my best advocate. Yeah. Like, no matter what. I was like, I had to stick up for me. Yeah. Um, And so I think that changed my attitude a lot where I wasn't like, it it wasn't a victim mentality anymore. It was like, like maybe this situation sucks, but only I can change it and I'm going to fucking change it. And I'm going to like, I'm going to have a good time. 
I'm curious, did you have this realization before or after your first son was born? Before. Before or after you found out that she was pregnant? Mm-hmm. No, before. before. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, much more before. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think this was like me looking in the mirror as a fat kid at like 10 years old and like looking at my little bitch tits and I was like, God, I fucking hate myself. You're so goddamn disgusting and ugly. Like, I was just like tearing myself to shreds. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, all right. I was like, well, all right, you might be fat and ugly, but you have to, like, you have no other choice. Like, this is the situation you're in, so let's fucking make the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, the reason I was asking is I know some people, when they find out they're going to have a kid, they tend to have these revelations, and so I was curious when this happened. Mm. No, I was stoked, actually, when, uh, yeah, when my son's mom was pregnant. I was excited through the whole thing. That's awesome. Having a, uh, I'm, I'm sure having a kid in high school couldn't have been easy necessarily. Were you a senior? Like I was a senior. Okay. Yeah, it was the beginning of my senior year because I was, uh, I was trying out for, I was gonna, I was gonna on the varsity football team, and I got kicked out of high school a bunch of times, like my freshman year. So. I mean, maybe this is a whole fucking speed bump in itself. Uh, my freshman year, I got kicked out of five high schools. Um, For drugs or truancy or what? Everything. 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 Uh, I mean, the first one was funny. I thought it was funny, at least. And this actually made me sort of, I think I've told this story at least, you know, I might have told this when I was talking to Buffalo and Legs, uh, but this was... Uh, this one got me kind of infamous in my house. Okay. I was trying to impress a girl and that would be a theme actually in my life, <laughs> in my early life. Um, but uh, so I can, I can chug a beer faster than any person, you know. Okay. I guarantee you that I, I just can't, I don't know. I'm a freak. I can like, if you put a pint of beer in me or like a beer bong, any situation, I can finish the beer faster than anyone else. Okay. Uh, but when I was younger, I thought I could, I could do the same thing with liquor, which I can physically, like I physically can chug a liquid like that. Uh, but I thought, you know, this would impress this girl. So I had a bottle of vodka and Wait, how was big like, was this bottle of this. vodka? It was like, I, I don't, it might've been like one of those little flat bottles. Like I'm trying, cause I'm trying to think I had to sneak it into class. Okay, I don't, so I don't like know a, if it was like a full pint? fifth. It wasn't like. Okay. It could have been. Yeah, it was, but it was like a substantial amount of fucking vodka all at once. And I had opened this up. It was in first period class and I just chugged the entire bottle uh, just to impress this girl. And she was more like, holy fucking shit. Are you nuts? You know, sort of thing. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so I, like she had to escort me to my second period class because I was so fucking drunk and out of it. And so she, like I sat down and we were in first and second period together. So she was there too. And I just fell out of my seat and just slapped my face on the ground. And I just started dragging myself into the hallway. And I was making such a loud commotion that like, I was like slapping lockers and stuff, I guess. And Where I, were you my, going? I, I had to pee. So I pulled my dick <laughs> out and started like peeing in the hallway and and, and like everyone came out of the classrooms, like the whole, like everywhere came out to, and I'm sitting there peeing and like cussing and things. And uh, so then we had a campus cop 
and the police, uh, the police officer, the campus cop and uh, the principal came and they were trying to give me a breathalyzer in the hallway and I projectile vomited on them in front of everyone. And so that made me, cause I was a freshman. Everyone was like, Holy shit. Yeah. This guy's awesome. Like, so that was like something that made me infamous. And I thought it was all like positive attention. I'm sure a lot of people were like, that dude is a fucking psycho. But uh, in my, in my mind, I was like, I'm cool. So that was the first time uh, getting kicked out of high school. Um, Did you go back to the same high school? No, no. It was they didn't all different high back. schools. Yeah, all different okay, high schools. Okay. I went back to that high school my senior year and I was, uh, and I joined the varsity football team. Uh, and that, like that week, like during, uh, like, like before school tryouts and practice and all that, I found out my girlfriend was pregnant. And so that's when I, I didn't drop out. I switched over to like, like online academy stuff so that I could work full time. And so I just did that. And I ended up graduating with honors, which still shocks people. How did you know you were infamous if you didn't stay at school? It's a small town. Okay, okay. Everyone was, yeah, and, like, I we I still had all the same friends that were still in school. And Did you yeah. get, like, a cool nickname from it or an asshole I, nickname or? I had an asshole nickname already, um, and I, me and my stupid buddy, yeah, anyways, I was Wheezy the Blunt Man. Okay. So, <laughs> and I would just smoke a lot of blunts, and, uh, yeah. I don't. Can they give you a breathalyzer without your parents' consent? Apparently they can. Yeah. I don't, I, public schools are fucking weird, dude. I don't think they have to ask parents much. Yeah. I don't There's like implied consent is like what they call it when you send your kid to a public yeah. school. And yeah. so I think everything's a go. Like you have almost no rights or anything. They can search you. They can do anything they want. So I they search me all the time. They pat me down and like try to find weed on me and stuff. And so I know that they can search you, and I know they can search your car on the premises. And the reason I know this is multiple times in high school there would be a quote unquote fire drill, and they'd have everyone come outside, and then all of a sudden you'd see all the cops show up with the canine drug sniffing dogs. And you'd see these certain kids start to freak out as you, they saw the drug sniffing dogs like going by the lockers. And then they would, if they found something in the locker, they then find it in the car. And yeah, that was always fun because those fire drills lasted like two hours. That's actually, I mean, it kind of gives you a, like a little vacation during school. That sounds all right. If oh, you yeah. don't have a bunch of drugs in your car. Yeah, I mean, and and people just, like, walk off campus. Like, you you know you couldn't drive, but then you just walk off campus. And then some of them got smart. They would go across the street on – it was, like, a skating rink across the street. And then they couldn't search you there because you weren't on the school property. So that's how, Mm. like – it was this weird way. It was always – Could you park your car over there? You couldn't. Mm. People tried, but it would get towed. Hmm. Yeah, you got to park it a few blocks away and just walk to where or walk to school, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what some people would do. I was not one of those kids, like I told you earlier. I've never been drunk, but it was fun to see all the kids start to freak out. I, I got a kick out of it. 
I would have been one of them freaking out if I was even allowed at that school. So it was a public high school. Yeah, I just was, I was always not allowed in places. So I when was, did I you was a real st- jackass. So was it just your freshman year you got kicked out of five or was it also your sophomore and junior year got kicked out of some too? Because at some point you had to get stopped getting kicked out. Um, so I got kicked out of five my freshman year. Um, so then my mom took me to a charter school that she was working at. And I like, I had snuck off campus and was like hanging out with this girl. And then I went and got like hammered drunk. And I think they just kicked me out for doing that. Like, dude, it was me and a whole bunch of other kids. Like somebody had like bought, like brought a bug, uh, like a jug of vodka. And uh, like, it was like movie time at school. So like, we were all just like watching a stupid movie in class. And so like people were sneakily handing, handing the bottle of vodka around and we were drinking, but I was already like, a trouble kid yeah so yep. like that was my final straw and they kicked me out for that everybody else didn't get in trouble i mean they might have got like detention or something stupid. yeah yeah they were looking for a reason to kick me out um and so that that was the second one and so then they put me in a different charter school um and this man this one was fun because like i was like i felt cool at this school because i was like a big fish in a tiny ass pond and there's a bunch of cute girls. So I had like girlfriends and like, it was fun. And, but I was a jackass still. Like I couldn't be chill. I was never like, you couldn't make me sit in my, in my desk. I was always like, I was always an anarchist and I didn't even know it. Like, I, I'll give you a little quick one. Like in third grade, I decided that I was, I was in a Christian school. My mom had like, I don't know. I don't even know how she got me into a private school. Uh, it must've had like poor people, like quotas, you know? Um, so I was in a Christian school and I decided that I was done pledging of allegiance. So I refused to pledge the flag and, uh, they freaked out and told me I was demon possessed. So that was, uh, I was like, well, I think it's idolatry. And I think you guys are the ones that are demon possessed, but you know, <laughs> there shouldn't be a fucking American flag inside the chapel. You, you know? did not. Yeah. Was, it like a ba- was it like a Baptist or... Catholic yeah, it was inside of a Baptist. Yeah, it was inside of a Baptist church, actually. Yeah, they were very nationalistic. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of Christians get really upset when you point out the whole it's idolatry to pledge allegiance to a flag if mm-hmm. there's only supposed to be no other Seems gods. Like a golden the... calf to me. Yeah, yeah. they probably <laughs> lost their minds on you. <laughs> yeah, they freaked out, dude. Yeah, that was that was interesting. But that gives you like a little insight and in kind of the little asshole that I was. Uh, you weren't going to make me sit in a desk for eight hours a day. I was going to get up and go talk to somebody. I was going to go talk to a friend or a cute girl or something. Or I was just going to like fuck off and do my own thing. Um, or like and So that was always my, my attitude. I just, I hated school. And I just like, I always saw the teacher as like the adversary. Um, and I just like, sometimes there was a cool teacher. If it was an interesting topic, like I loved history. History was fucking awesome. I would definitely pay attention to history. Um, and in art class, I'd like try to make, I don't know, like a a pipe or something. And then I get in trouble, but I was kind of paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, but back in, so third school, you're good. Third school, I got kicked out of. Um, I don't even know what I did. I think I like snuck off campus and smoked weed with a girl. Uh, and then they caught, they caught us and 
that that was enough because I was already jackass and I was always doing lots of little things that would get me in trouble like me just not sitting at my desk would get me in trouble me would get up and talking to people would get me in trouble so like I was always on like but like kids aren't meant eggshells to sit at a desk for eight hours a day well that's my and listen to one person who claims to be the authority like that's not what anyone is meant to do yeah yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I mean at this time too. Like, I was like, they definitely told me I had ADHD, and they were definitely like trying to medicate me. But I didn't like the way it made me feel. So sometimes I would take it and snort it because I thought it like it was cool, uh, and it would make me feel like high. Ritalin uh, or and then other times I would just sell it. Yeah. Which one, Ritalin or Adderall? Ritalin. I was on Ritalin. Yeah, this was old school. I like. I think Adderall existed back then, but this was still like. Yeah, I'm not that old, but I'm 34. I'm 31. So. 30. Oh, shit. I forget how old I am after my car accident, to be honest <laughs> with you. I'm 30 or 31. To, I, yeah. I think I'm 31. 31. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I had to think about that. Oh. Um, yeah, after my car accident, like, I forget how old I am now. Like, I lose time. So. I don't, I don't have an excuse. <laughs> I thought Blame I was drugs. 34 last year. And then, and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm 34 years old. And then everyone had to remind me, no, dude, you just turned 33. And so I like gained a whole year. I was kind of excited. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a year younger than I thought I was. I mean, or just blame the crazy, crazy COVID lockdown when all everyone's time got messed up. We'll just blame it on that. Yeah. Yeah, that works. <laughs> and then fourth school I got kicked out of was a bad boy school. Like, so they they were done. They stuck me in like community school. Yeah. Um, and at this point, like I was doing meth and I was selling meth and I was acting like a real asshole. And like it, this was during a time that I thought I was a gangster, which was really stupid and lame. And like I would like sag my pants and I thought I was fucking cool. I was an idiot. Um, and so I don't even know what I did. I was probably got drunk at school or did some drugs or something stupid like it, it like it was all just the same so then they kicked me out of that school and they put me in something called transitions which is like a real bad kid school um and then I just refused to go I just I never even showed up once so uh then they expelled me for that for tr- for truancy and so then I finally had to do online at home school and I did fine it was great uh, because like my mom was at work all day so like the lady would come and she would give me some work to do and she'd be like just read this do this do this and I was like so then I could do it on my own time yep. and I could wake up whenever the fuck I wanted and I could roll a big fat joint and fucking like wake up and smoke a fucking joint and like hang out and then I could do some work when I wanted to and then I would just get it done so I, I needed something more free form yeah. And I know some people need structure. Some people, I need organized chaos. I need like a little bit of structure, but I need to be able to fucking do what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I uh, I thrived on structure in school, but then like if you look at my desk, I have piles everywhere and I know exactly what is in those piles. And if you try and clean up for me and you put them all together, 
like my husband would be like oh i'm gonna clean up this and i'm like where did it go he's like oh i just put them yeah. all together i was like no i knew where everything was why'd you do that yeah i mean that's like at, in my kitchen now because i'm i'm a chef uh and like my spice rack it might look random and crazy to anyone else, but I know where every single thing yep. is and I know how much there is. And I, yeah, I can do it without even looking. I can just grab things and yeah, it's. What's your favorite thing to cook? I get asked that a lot and I don't have a good answer. Do you prefer to cook <laughs> or bake? Um, I am definitely a cook. Okay. Uh, back to the structured chaos sort of thing. Like I can like kind of, follow a recipe if I need to but I don't need to like I have a good feeling for for cooking like I've done this like my whole life um so like I just know like what are the ingredients okay then I'm gonna do it my way yeah uh with baking it that's fucking science so baking you have to be particular you, like you have to put a certain amount of baking powder in there you okay yeah, fucking, yeah you have to whisk the eggs to a certain consistency if you're looking for this or are you just creaming it into like the sugar and butter or are you fucking whisking those egg whites and then do you have to fold it in a certain way to get the right texture there's there's like there's actual fucking science behind it and i do appreciate it it's just it takes a lot more effort and i do yeah. have adhd and and it depends what i'm doing but i did i went to baking and pastry school as well so okay. I, I know I know how to do that stuff. I can, I can make cakes. I can do all that kind of stuff. It's just I'd rather just throw like throw down in a kitchen and just make some fucking food. Do you have your own restaurant? I do not. I am an executive chef at a basically a fancy private little school thing that okay. I don't say the name of, and I can tell you later. Yeah, no, that's fine. Just because I I don't know I don't. I say wild shit on my show and I don't oh, want yeah, anybody yeah. to like, it has nothing to do with my job and I'm a professional at my job and I just don't like the two worlds to mix. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Yeah. Would, um, would you ever consider like doing like a catering business or something? I definitely thought about it. I did catering for a long time. Um, I fucking loved actually, uh, like being a banquet chef. Like, so doing, um, like, large scale like when people uh, like 1500 people sitting down we have to do fucking steak for everyone baked potatoes for everybody like appetizers this that the other and i thrive in those like crazy situations that people freak the fuck out in like i like working in kitchens like i was a fantastic line cook i don't have to work a line anymore uh because i've like got, i've passed that you know in where i'm at now um but like this I don't know if you've ever worked in a kitchen or not. I have not. Okay. Uh, this makes or breaks people. This depends on if you could be a fucking cook or not. When you were in there and then all of the motherfucking sudden people just come sit down at one time, your servers are assholes and they're going to put all the tickets in at one time. And you're going to hear that little machine. It's the POS system. And then you're going to get all your fucking orders at once. And People get lost. They call it getting in the weeds. It's when you're like, holy fucking shit. Like, we're having to feed 100 people right now. There's three fucking cooks. What do we do first? Holy shit. And they freak the fuck out. That makes you or breaks you. Are you going to be able to stay calm during the storm? Or are you going to freak the fuck out? I've seen people just run offline and just quit. Because they couldn't fucking hang. Because it's intense, dude. Like, the stress is fucking nuts. But you have to, like, 
what's the word I'm looking for? What a doctor's, it's like a triage situation. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, a hundred people just sat down. It's me and one other guy. We have to make all of this fucking food and we have to do it. We have to do it perfect. It has to look good. It has to taste good. It has to be exactly the way they ordered it. And we have to do this fast. All right, let's fucking do it. And like, so it was this weird situation getting into cooking like that. Uh, And I could chill the fuck out. I could stop. I could see the big picture and I would look, okay, how many fucking like well done steaks do we have? Okay. This one, this one, this one, this one. Okay. How many fucking chicken do we have? Okay. Well, those well done steaks, they're going to take the longest. Get those on the fucking grill right now. Okay. Get those working. Okay. Now you start doing the chicken. So I just started like expediting and started like telling people what to do. Like, because it was like, it it would be a situation where people would kind of give up leadership because they were like, nobody wanted to fucking touch it. They'd be like, Oh my God. And I'd be like, okay, I would step into that role. I'd be like, I just start, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Okay. We'll check back in in five go. And, uh, and I loved it. And so it was a weird thing dude. I started getting into kitchens when I was like 16 and, uh, they would start putting me in charge of kitchens and there'd be like 40 year old dudes that have been doing this their whole life. And I was like 19 and they put me in charge and they wanted to stab me. Why? because <laughs> it's like there's like hierarchy and there's like this guy's been cooking for the last like 10 years and i'm some fucking newbie that's been doing this for like three and th- like i'm in charge of you you know what i mean it's it's one of those things it's, there's a lot of ego there's a lot of pride there's a lot of kitchens are weird and the weirdos that you're gonna find they call us the back of the house for a reason like Okay. You're going to find people that have been in prison. You're going to find like ex, like vets, like, you know, ex-military people, uh, yep. people that definitely are off their fucking rocker, uh, people that can't work in other situations because they, you know, they don't get along well with other people, like bikers, weirdos, uh, sailors, lots of fucking sailors, interesting, like, like fucking pirates and shit, interesting folk that are just, you know, like, what do you mean sailors? Like, Navy sailors or, like, used to own boat sailors or, like, legitimate pirates? I mean, I, I would call them pirates, but, <laughs> you know, like, guys that work on fishing boats and stuff. Okay, like that. okay. Like people that are, like, they, they spend their whole lives on boats. Those type of folks. Um, salty, salty people. Yeah. I, yeah. I can see it because they thrive in There's chaos, a big crossover. Yeah, yeah, there's a big crossover there. Yeah, it's interesting. And I liked those type of people. I like the weirdos. I like the outcasts. I like the anarchists. I like the people that think outside the box. I didn't like the hoity-toity people. They never liked me. I was a beaner. I was fat. I was poor. I was from the lower classes. I lived in an area where there were some like rich white fucking assholes. And, and I mean, and those were also the people that I went to church with. And they let you know that they thought they were better than you. You know, and so yeah. I was like, well, fuck you. So I like the weirdos. That, that was me. I was an outcast. I always have been. I like that. Those what, were my people. <laughs> if there was one person that stuck out in your co- cooking career as a weirdo, outcast, whatever, had the craziest story, what would it be? <sighs> There's, there's several, let's see if I had to narrow it down to one, 
I would say, I mean, he was the funnest person for me. His name was Oscar. And Oscar was this fucking old, salty uh, Mexican cook. And he was from, oh man, he was a Oaxacan. So they're the little dark, stinky, uh, real dark skinned little Mexicans. Um, and he smelled like a fucking rubber tire. Um, and he was just this salty old man that would fucking smoke like three packs of cigarettes a day. And he was the fastest fucking cook I ever knew. And he wasn't, he wasn't like, I wouldn't want to eat a steak he cooked because he would cook it. All right. He'd cook it. Okay. He would make it just okay. But he was like fast and efficient and he would do it and he would just like, but he was smarter than hell. He was fucking brilliant. And he was like, he would give you a compliment and you would think about it and you'd think about it like two hours later, he was insulting you and telling you how stupid you were. Like, and you had no fucking idea. You'd have to like, you'd catch it later. You're like, that son of a bitch. Like, and he taught me this and he would just like, he would actively be like fucking with everyone around him. Like he would constantly be like playing mind games with people. And I didn't know it. I just thought he was an asshole at first, but like, this was just his form of entertainment. And, um, and he taught me this, like just how to screw with people and just and like learn things. He would learn situations because like people would always think, cause he's this like little dark Mexican that's sitting there like with a cigarette in his mouth. Like they would just assume that he was stupid and he would let them assume that he'd be like, he'd be like, okay, you can assume I'm stupid. You can even assume I don't speak English. You can assume all kinds of different things about me. And he would just let people have their assumptions about him. And he would just, he would learn so much about people and their character and who they were. And then he was just, he was just fucking brilliant. I love that guy. Um, he was one of my very favorite people. And the guy was talented. I, I was shitting on him a little bit, he, but he really wasn't. He'd tell you himself that he wasn't like a great fucking chef or anything, but he was a good cook, you know, and th there's a difference. What's the difference? So, I mean, man, that's a whole fucking story into itself because every fucking cook likes to call themselves a chef, but chef means chief and it's a title that is earned. So to be the fucking chef, you have to fucking work your way up and you're in charge of the kitchen. Like everything falls on your neck. Like if something fucks up, it's the chef's fault. You know, now he also gets to play around a little bit more. He gets to go and talk to the fucking customers. He's drinking wine. He's like schmoozing. He gets, he also gets the credit for when a night goes perfect. The chef gets all the credit. Even if you worked your fucking ass off and you made that steak perfect, the chef gets the credit. It's one of those interesting things. This is his kitchen. He's, he's the pirate. He's the pirate captain. Yep. Right. And so uh, every little asshole that went to fucking culinary school likes to call themselves a chef. You're not a fucking chef. You're a fucking cook and shut up. Um, but there's a difference too with cooks because cooks can be more valuable than chefs in a lot of ways because there can only be one fucking chef. You want one chef in a kitchen because if every asshole thinks that they know the best way to do something, you're going you're, you're gonna to fuck something up. You want to yeah. have a system. There needs to be one fucking chef, one fucking vision. Like, I want the steak this way. So when the customer comes and they get the ribeye the way they like it, they can come back the next week and it's exactly the same. They get the exact same experience. They get to fucking eat that steak that they love so much with those particular like brown butter fucking mashed potatoes there. And so like a cook is somebody like, so it's more valuable to me to have a cook that 
isn't trying to put their creative flair on anything. They are literally, it's a craft. Like people think it's an art and it can be in some ways, but it's blue collar work. It's, it's a fucking craft. And so somebody that's going to like stand there, shut the fuck up and do exactly the meal that I showed them exactly the way to do it is more valuable to me than somebody that might actually be a way fucking better cook, but they have their vision of how they want things. And I'm like, get the fuck out of my kitchen. Get, get out. <laughs> so it's that saying there's too many cooks in the kitchen. It's not really too mm-hmm. many cooks in the kitchen. It's too many it's chefs. Too many in the chefs. It's too many chefs. Exactly. That makes so yeah. much more sense now. Yeah. No. So, I mean, that is why like folks from like the third world, like you get some like El Salvadorans, you get some fucking Nicaraguans, you get some Guatemalans in there. Like they're there to work their ass off to make money for their family. They're not there to like stroke their ego. It's those little fucking white kids that are like privileged and have their own, like they've got money from their fucking folks and they fucking went to culinary school. And now they think that they're going to crack the fucking culinary atom. And they like, and they're coming to your restaurant to cook their food. Like, fuck you. I want one, you know? I'm going to pay him more. I'll put you on the dish pit for a while and I'm going to smash your ego because that's what you need. Like if I see, if I see like very good restaurants that I've worked at, it doesn't matter what position you were going to be hired for. Like if you were going to be the sous chef, that means second chef. That's like a big fucking deal to be the number two in, in charge. Right. Um, They would make them spend a week or two in the dish pit and just wash dishes. And it was a good thing to see, like, does this dude have an ego? Like, how prideful is he? Is he a team player? Is he, you know, like, does he work fast, efficient? Is he, you know, like, and it, and you're going to see people's egos because there's a lot of people that would just say, fuck this, I quit. Yeah. What do you mean? You're going to put me in the dish pit? Fuck you. I've been doing this for 15 years. I've, you know, and you're like, okay, well, there's the door, get out. Yeah, if you, and I respect that, because if you can't be a team player, if you can't do all the pieces, you probably shouldn't be in a place. And I feel like that's not just for a kitchen. Definitely not a place of leadership. Exactly. Exactly. There's um, there's this guy that my husband likes on, that he follows, he's on YouTube, and he has this sewage or septic company business. And he's one of the CEOs, but will go out and do, he'll dig the trenches. He'll do everything that the guys do. And I have to respect people like that because they're the ones who make the good leaders because they've been where the employees are or the people beneath them. And so, and if someone comes to you with a problem and says, Hey, this isn't working because of this, you're going to know because you were there and also be more willing to take their suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, every single bit of your job. And so like, I mean, so many fucking issues that I've had, because I worked fine dining the majority of my life. And then at one point, I went to the corporate world because cooks don't get fucking paid well at all. It it doesn't matter how fucking good you are. Um, You're just not very valuable, unfortunately. I mean, you, you are, you should be more valuable than, than you are. But Mm -hmm. 
it just people don't want to pay anyways so i went to the corporate world and i was working for like big mega like giant multi-millionaire multi-million contract type mm-hmm. of situation making food for for folks um and man i forgot where i was going with that leadership oh leadership. yeah 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 leadership so like the problem is that they would hire all these fucking idiots that would just come out of college and have all these degrees but had no practical fucking skill or experience and so they would just make these like from the top because when you're in this big corporate structure the people on top get to make like decrees and they're like this is how we do things now and you're like motherfucker you've never cooked on the line once and you're telling me this is how we're going to do it from now on. Do you know that you just cost me like an extra hour to my day? And then you're also going to tell me uh, there's no overtime. And if you get one second of overtime, we're going to write you up. Oh, and if you don't get my vision done in the time that you're allotted, I'm also going to write you up. Or we're going to have some like disciplinary kind of actions. And like, I fucking hated it. Like there was a time one particular job they gave me um they started having me weed people out my job was to be like an asshole so if they would have like a a problem with someone if this was like a problem situation they would move them over to my campus and they would be like find find a way to have him fired so that was my job i was like a corporate assassin they'd be like and like their motto was like Look, you you give them the rope, they hang themselves. That was that was like their motto. They and told like, you that? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, my job was to like, uh, so this is the problem, child. This person like had some issues or whatever it is. We don't like what what. Anyways, whatever it is, this person's tardy. This person's whatever, and like they spoke up and said something that we don't like or something. So this person, we want him fired. You do the paperwork. You figure it out. So then I would give them unreasonable expectations. And so, I mean, this is like, this is like insider knowledge that like people have always like, they suspect this is how it happens. And this is how it works. And especially in the corporate world, they they will give you unreasonable expectations that they know you won't be able to meet. And then when you don't do it, I was the asshole. They would have to like follow you around and watch you make a mistake. And then I would have to do a corrective action on every single every single time that you'd make an infraction and I'd write you up and I'd give you a verbal and then I'd get you a verbal and then I'd have you a written one. And then I have a written one. And then I'd have all this like paperwork trail behind it. And then I'd be like, okay, here's your last check. You're fired. And then I have to escort you out the door. And that was my job. And I fucking hated it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had a similar kind of on the other end though, experience at my very last corporate pharma job and they tried to write me up because I was basically not demure enough for them I was speaking up too much for a female and I was calling them out on shit and they didn't like it so they tried to write me up and then they tried to do it verbally without an actual written thing so I started documenting everything and then magically stuff started getting removed because the goals of that performance improvement plan, that PIP, there weren't actual goals that could be measured. It was all opinion. And I pointed that Mm -hmm. out and then they didn't like that either. And so I kept like pointing how, like what they were doing was actually wrong and illegal in some cases. 
Um, I eventually ended up quitting just because they were assholes and other things. But yeah, I know exactly what that is. And yep. they will drive I you out. I was that asshole. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I hated it. It was it was awful. And that was my job. And they gave that to me. And they would give me all the trouble children. Were, and they weren't even fucking. Sometimes yeah. they just didn't like this person. Because they were opinionated. Yep. Hi. Yep. That's me. Yep. <laughs> I, I think about one person in particular. They had a big mouth. And they were opinionated. And they were smart. And they just. But I mean it, it also comes down to how many chefs do you have in the kitchen. Right. And so like this person was very opinionated. And they they thought they were smart. And they wanted it this way. But like when you're in one of those corporate situations. It's like once this person's in there it is hard to get them out. Like, and so I guess like what I was doing was necessary in some situations. Like one guy I caught like stealing fucking food. Like he was stole a rack of ribs and he'd like stuck him in his backpack and I caught him and I wrote and like, you know, they, like that's part of that thing. There was a couple of guys. I would say there were a few people that shaped up and they stuck around and I kept them. And they would be like, how's he, how's his performance? And I'm like, he's actually doing great. He's doing fantastic. He's meeting my expectations. And so I saved a couple folks, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not opposed to putting people through the fire or, you know, getting rid of people who are, you know, breaking obvious rules, like stealing things. Like, yeah, I get that they're a corporate conglomerate and they can probably afford to lose a rack ribs and blah 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 that's not the point you still shouldn't steal like you shouldn't I, steal no it's an honor thing it is yeah, and like, i get that yeah. part but there's other times that they try and write people up and it's bullshit a lot of it is bullshit and if you had made it to the management level and then they discover that you were an issue like then they wouldn't fire you uh, unless you were high enough management. High management would get their fucking heads chopped off all the time, which was crazy. Uh, but if you were like middle management, if you were like a an executive sous chef or a chef over there, like they weren't going to fire you. They w- It was almost like the Catholic church. Like this person had been like molesting. They would just move you to a different, like, so they would just move them to a smaller campus and give them like, you know, and just like scoot them all around into all these different places until they found a, a a place that wasn't very important that you couldn't screw up. And yeah. so that it was just like, yeah, I think it was interesting. <laughs> a, every, a lot of people are saying right now, Oh, we can't find people that want to work. And a big part of me is like, do people not want to work? True. Like, okay. I feel like part of that's true, but I also feel like most managers are assholes. Yeah. No, <laughs> most managers are assholes, but you're absolutely right. But I'm telling you from uh, my perspective, working in the food service industry, and you know, I, I think that it's probably very different from different sectors and different like different occupations and things. But like in the kitchen, god damn it, was it hard to find good work? Like you could not find good workers that would because, well, first of all, and and, and again, it, it sucks. Like I'm telling you, like cooks don't get paid well. Yeah. So like you're trying to find somebody that's going to show up on time like sober and I know these don't seem like they're hard things to meet but like I mean that was always why I fucking succeeded and was always like the cream of the crop because I'd show up on fucking time dressed ready to go like I had like a notepad and a pen and I had like my little internal probe thermometer I was like ready to fucking work and I worked my ass off uh and I was sober 
all of those things, they were like, oh, you have management written all over you. <laughs> that's all it took. But That's a um, really low bar, but all right. It's a low bar, but it, it worked <laughs> for me. And I would work any hours they wanted me to, and I would do anything they fucking asked. So I was like, okay, yeah. Okay, I was I turned into a fucking yes man. I was like, okay, you got it. You got a boss. That sort of thing. But like it was hard to find good workers, dude. It and it still is. Like you put out an ad, right, for a cook, and you're lucky if anybody actually even shows up for the interview. You like if you put if you put out a thing, like and it'll it, it even be a good job. Like the place that I was working at, they were starting people out at almost 20 bucks an hour to like fucking cook. And then it's like decent fucking benefits. There's like a 401k, all kinds of, you know, that kind of shit. No one wants to fucking work. And I don't get it. Cause what are these people doing? Like okay. I don't exist at like, how are these people even paying rent? If they're paying rent, how are these people like feeding themselves? Are they just like, showing their assholes on OnlyFans or are they selling like meth? Like I don't, how are people like existing? I don't know. So I have this theory and I want to hear your perspective on it. Um, so I've noticed everyone is hiring right now, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. says they can't find enough workers and, but where's everyone going? Cause it's not just one state. It's like every state. Every state, every city, everyone's hiring, every sector, every everything. So we're, it was, it's almost as if a bunch of people up and disappeared. A bunch of people that worked these jobs up and disappeared. Almost as if a rapture event. And everyone assumes huh. a rapture has to be all the good people get taken up. But there's nothing that actually talks about the rapture in the Bible. And there's nothing actually that says the rapture has to be the good people. So, like, maybe all they just up and disappeared. And because they're these people that we don't interact with on a regular basis, we don't notice that they disappear. Like, you're not going to notice if the gas station clerk changes or if there's less people at Costco. You're not going to, like, you're not going to notice those people. Their families will, though, right? But if they, did they have families? But did they have families? Do you think that they're being targeted? They're like targeted individuals. They're like, yeah, these people. Almost like NPCs. Almost like NPCs. Just like Mm -hmm. up and disappeared. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Yeah. Yeah. NPC, that whole thing. I, I think that the majority of people are actually NPCs. Like are actually fake. They don't actually exist. They're soulless meat suits. My now, husband and I, when we first <laughs> moved to this neighborhood, we would walk around and we would be like, we would joke and be like, there's NPCs in that house because the lights would never turn on at night. Never, ever, 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 ever. Like they're NPCs, they're NPCs. Oh, they might be real. We saw them bringing groceries. Like, and we'd play this game. That's funny. I, you know, I can give you uh, an answer for one of those situations. Okay. Uh, like you're saying people didn't turn on lights and stuff, but I, I think that they've gotten pretty good at this. I knew a guy and I definitely will not say his name because he could, if he wanted to probably snap his fingers and have me killed. Um, this is the type of dude that was like uh, ran sort of like a mafia kind of thing okay. in my hometown. 
and it was it was an interesting thing it was it was mostly white guys so it was all these like white uh good old boys uh that have been in that town forever they all know each other they're all like families that sort of thing they know all the cops they know all the politicians they know the judges they know the doctors they know the lawyers that sort of thing and what he would do is he would set somebody up as far as like so i was a young dude um like i'm like one thing he had me do like me and my buddy he had a safe with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in there and he just wanted somebody to count it so he just had me and my buddy sit there and like hand count it and then he gave us a couple hundred bucks like he would just do like like we knew him so like he always had a gun on him he was the first person that i'd ever seen that had like a big screen tv that had like uh, a remote like he could it was also a computer and he had like a wireless laptop and he could sit on it and like fuck around on it like i'd never seen this shit it blew my mind this was like high technology to me you know that sort of thing but what he would do is he would have people he would own all of these houses i think like did he own it or would he have other people own it so they wouldn't be connected to him anyway so he would have like nice houses in like a neighborhood let's say like your neighborhood yeah yeah right in one in one of these houses over here he would have maybe one maybe two guys live in this house they'd have a pit bull a shotgun a mattress and a refrigerator and the rest of the house was just growing weed so this was like before weed became like legal-ish where it was all like recreational and you could go to a store to buy weed and stuff like this. So this is when it was still like black market kind of shit. And the whole fucking house would be turned into a grow. And so they were just growing pounds and pounds and pounds of fucking weed. And, but he would, he'd have it to make it look real. He'd have people come and do landscaping and make the house look pretty on the outside. The lawn was always mowed. Uh, he would pay you to sit there and like uh, you like barbecue steaks out in the front and like and like have cars come and go. Sometimes make it look normal, like it was a house, but all it was was a fucking grow. And he had them all over the city, so there was tons of fucking houses. And what he would do is so he like pay someone like me, a young kid. And so the first time he would take all the fucking weed and he was kind of paying you a little bit of money. The second time he would take most of the fucking weed. And then the third time or the third like batch, we'd give him half the weed. And then like, finally he had all this, like, so he had all these people set up like satellite, like weird fake fucking put up houses that were growing weed everywhere, giving him most of the weed or most of the money, I guess you'd sell it. And then you'd give him most of the fucking money. And then at at some point, like you'd go like 50, 50, or even like maybe 75, 25. And he was just getting a big cut and you'd just get to stay there. That was your house kind of. And, and he would set him up all over the city. So there was all these fake fucking houses and neighborhoods and people would just not even know. Do they do that with meth too? I'm sure this is for, I never saw him do it with meth. But that would make a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, have like a laboratory and cooking fucking meth. Yeah, I'm Holy sure. Shit. But this guy was like, uh, he was like a weed mafia, like kingpin. And uh, a friend of a friend got me to like know him and stuff. And so like, you know, I, we'd do odd jobs for him. We were teenagers. So like, he'd be yeah, like, yeah. go do this. And we're like, okay. And then he'd pay us more money than it was worth. Because like, we were just like dummies that would do stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, let's uh, we're we're I'm gonna call him Bob. Bob. Yeah, Bob. I don't know if Bob is still even up and going because, like, I think all those guys like they're hurting now. Now that weed is like recreational, like you can just buy it at a store. Why do you have to buy it from Bob? Unless a lot of those guys went uh, went on the up and up when they like they had early contracts and stuff with the state, and so maybe he became like a legitimate grower to like grow for those recreation. So if he was smart, that's what he did. But I haven't seen or heard this guy in probably 15 years. So I have no idea what he's up to. So, but I've also, so I don't smoke or do anything, but I've heard from certain people that they don't like going to like the stores, the quote unquote legal places now, because it's become so commercialized and fake and they get, you know, if they'd been smoking for a long time, they didn't, they never got paranoia. And if they smoke it from the recreational place now they get paranoid so they prefer the small mom and pops or the quote-unquote black market because they'll always be a black market yeah there always will be and the state is still attacking folks like i actually was just reading a fucking just reading an article in portland uh somebody was sick of the regulations he had been growing for like legitimate uses like legitimate like recreational it it really sucks for the growers dude because they've made weed so fucking cheap that like people that are growing it have to like make in a insane fucking amount and then they're also limited to how much they can grow and then there's so much competition to sell it for like the least amount you fucking possibly can um it's it's crazy dude it's crazy it sucks for the growers dude it they destroyed the market like there was people that literally they made a living that was their life. They would fucking grow weed. Like I grew up in a place called Humboldt County. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a very famous place for its weed. We like if you would read High Times, if you know what that is, it was a magazine about weed. We are always listed as like number two place to smoke weed on the planet, like right after Amsterdam. Like um, it was the place. Like if you got Humboldt weed, that was like, like I could go, I could take Humboldt weed, and I could fucking take it to like sacramento and i could sell it for like fucking 40 bucks or not maybe that that's excessive like 30 bucks a gram i could sell like an insane amount of money per gram for fucking for our weed and so it was like you could make a living you could you could exist growing fucking weed and they took that away from people and that was that was a thing man that was their culture that was a like a you know and whatever you might call it scumbags or something but like i started growing weed when i was 14 like that was like our fucking that was our thing like that was an and that's also sucks because it was like an aspiration for a lot of young guys because like you know if you're doing school and like the teacher's trying to teach you some bullshit you're like you know what i'm gonna make more money than you <laughs> like i'd be like i don't have to go to college i don't have to fucking like i can fuck off i can do whatever i want i could leave the classroom right now and just drop out i can just go grow weed and i'll be fine yeah. You know, and and that was like that was like a blue collar option that was available to people. Like you would have to watch out and you because like the cops could bust you, this or that and the other. Uh but lots of times the cops would just bust you, take your weed and your money and then just leave you alone. You know, that like cuz it was just such an like part of the culture. Yeah. That cops were in on it too. It's wild. It's a weird place. And I'm sure it's changed a lot. I left there probably close to 15, no, close to like 12-ish years ago, and I haven't been back. So 
I'm sure a lot has changed. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are opposed to this commercialization of it. I know they get very passionate about it. I know Shane works in a grow in Michigan. Um, yeah. And I guess a, a corporation came in. It used to be like a small mom and pop. A corporation came in. And he's like, ever since then, you know, the weed's gone to shit. To your point, our conversation about leadership earlier. Um, so it just... I feel like anytime big corporations, big government, whatever, they come in and they try and quote unquote help, just run. It never turns out well. It never turns out well. No, you're right. Um, I don't trust corporations. I don't like corporations. I used to call myself a capitalist. I was an anarcho-capitalist. And I don't like the word capitalist. I think uh, so many things that people defend when they talk about capitalism is like cronyism and it's like when the government gets involved in anything then it's not capitalism like to me like that's i call myself a market anarchist or i'm an agorist but i'm an anti-capitalist uh anarchist um but i want free markets i want people like when i say a free market like agorism is black market anarchism that's what that's what it's all about so what that means is like uh, the government has all these dumb regulations about like things like raw milk yep. and like meat that is sold. And like, yeah, I'll tell you what I did this weekend or I Monday, uh, a family friend owns a farm. Um, I shot a pig. I like broke it down. I, that's what I was actually doing before I was uh, talking to you today. I was like breaking down the pig and all of its parts. And I've got mm-hmm. some in the oven right now cooking and all that fun stuff. Like, um, I'm not going to ask permission to do anything that I want. So if I want to sell that meat, I'm going to sell that meat. Was it FDA inspected? No. Uh, they take that, that risk and liability. Like, do they trust me? Do they trust me that I'm not like selling them like dog or something? I don't know. You know, like, so what, what black market anarchism is like agorism is like making counter economies when uh, you are doing what you want, when you fucking want, because fuck you, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah. So if I want to, if I want to buy like raw milk from this farmer down the road, I'm going to pay him in cash and uh, there's going to be no taxes involved. Like there doesn't need to be a middleman. This is, a, you have a product, I want it. So we're going to make an exchange and we're going to, like, you can barter. We can do this for like, we can trade. We can uh, do this for work. We can do this. Like I can work on your farm for a while and then you'll give me some milk or something like that. Um, that's what agorism is all about. It's about starving the beast because I think that the government is illegitimate. First of all, I think it's a, like a group of fucking pirates and mafia that just says, fuck you, pay me. That's, that's how I see the government. And then, then more so than that, it's like what they do with your money. Like, did I fucking consent to them taking a hundred billion dollars, whatever it is, and give it to like the Nazis in Ukraine? No. Uh, did I consent to them like dropping fucking bombs in like Syria and like killing fucking kids? No. Like, so it, any dollar that I can keep out of their pocket, I think not only is it another dollar in my pocket, but I also think that it's ethical because I'm keeping my money away from these fucking bloodthirsty pedophilic psychopaths. Yeah. I could, yeah. So <laughs> that's what I mean, is. <laughs> I've, I agree with all of that. I haven't heard it quite worded that way, but I agree with all of it. So, yeah. I normally would have a big gray and black flag behind me, so... But that is what the agorist, that's what the agorist flag is. 
And I have a particularly cool one that I got. And it has Bigfoot with oh, a gun. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And it says, uh, leave us alone. And so the gray and black, that is that is our agorist flag. I love it. Well, I think that is a great way to end this episode. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Okay. Um, you can find us. We are on Rockfin. If you want to see my pretty face on videos, like we do have a YouTube, but fuck YouTube. Um, and uh, so, yeah, go check out our Rockfin. Uh, we just made a Bigfoot documentary not that long ago. We did that this summer. And um, in the next couple months, we're going to be working on, I think, a paranormal uh, documentary as well. Uh, me and my partner, Ben. Um, and we are on every podcatcher you can think of i think and so yeah we are the reality czars podcast how does one find or watch the bigfoot documentary it is free on our youtube it is free also free on so our youtube over there is called anomaly hunters that's our group that we are making documentaries for um so you can find us at anomaly hunters um, over there, or it's also free on Reality Czars on our Rockfin as well. So you can find it there, and I'll send you a link. Yeah, you're going to so send me all the links. Yeah. All these links will be in the show notes, guys. You can just click on it. We are fairly active on Instagram if you want to come and say hi. I am very fucking approachable. Like, I think tomorrow, I got to tell my wife about that. She's going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been, I've been like, anytime I have like listeners that like reach out to me and they want to grab beers, I do it. So like, I've had like over a dozen fucking listeners at this point, like reach out to me and like, Hey, you want to grab a beer? And I'm like, absolutely. So uh, I haven't been turned into a lampshade yet. Um, so I meet random, <laughs> you know, random people that, Hey, if you like fucking take your time out of your day to come and listen to my show and you think I'm cool, like cool man and you're in the portland area and you want to grab a beer let's grab a beer um so i do that um i also love collaborating and love going on like little shows like my like folks that have like a tiny show they just want to you know and i'll fucking we can do a swap cast and i'll give you guys a you know a good bump you know that's it's fun to do so reach out to me i'm fucking approachable i read every fucking dm and email that i get sent so reality is ours at gmail.com and it's yeah i i love my listeners and i love talking to people like you so this has been a lot of fun thank you all yeah thank you this has been a blast and go check out nate and the Re- reality is ours podcast i'm gonna get that i swear i am <laughs> reality is ours podcast i don't know why i can't say that but it'll all be in the show notes and thank y'all for listening and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful night <laughs>